0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixing to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today, we are in part two. Uh, is it part two or part three? I don't even know. Is it a are we calling this a continuation? Dan <laughs> what are what, what yeah. we calling it? Version two, Part two, maybe? <laughs> yeah, uh, some, Something along those lines. But we are continuing our What Ifs series. As you can tell, I've got DS Dan Sadik on me for the ride. Dan, how we doing?
1: Doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, The first part of version two was an absolute blast. Um, And I'm pumped for uh, part two of version two as well.
0: (laughs) Part two version two. I think that's. (laughs) That's got to be what we go with version two, part two, something, some order of that. Uh, if you didn't listen to part one of version two, I think that's what we'll, we'll go ahead and call it. Uh, definitely go back and listen to that first. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off, and we're going to now do some baseball what ifs. And we're going to start with a Red Sox related topic. And that pertains to one Theo Epstein. Now, in 2011, Theo Epstein was still the GM of the Boston Red Sox. The the Red Sox themselves had just wrapped up a 90-72 and season. Not bad. Not bad. 91 season is nothing to sneeze at. But... But... The Red Sox had just suffered an utter September collapse where they went 8 and 21 down the stretch, blew a nine game lead in the wild card in just 25 days, and ultimately missed out on the playoffs in a wild card spot by one game, coming down to the, I believe, the last game of the regular season, game 162. So the Red Sox were kind of in disarray. They, they had been contending for a couple of years and for some time, but now they've just suffered an epic collapse. And who knows where they were going to go from here. Meanwhile, the Chicago Cubs, which is where Theo Epstein ended up wanting to go and ended up as going, the Chicago Cubs were coming off a second straight losing season at 71 and 91. And they were still searching for their first championship in over a hundred years, 103 years to be exact. This at the time, everyone kind of knew that this move was coming. It was deemed as the worst kept secret in baseball. And it was a move that definitely had some ramifications down the road. Obviously Theo Epstein is a was a guy that helped the Red Sox break their own curse in 2004 saw them win another championship in 2007. by 2011 it it just seemed like the writing was on the wall that the Epstein the uh, the operation of Epstein was I don't want to say tired but clearly Epstein had done what he set out to do with the Boston Red Sox. And there wasn't much left to accomplish with Boston. So he ends up making the move and going to Chicago. The Red Sox end up allowing him to leave, uh, as he was still under contract, I believe. Um, so they released him from his duties. The Cubs name him president of baseball operations, um, and ultimately the Cubs, it takes a couple of years for the Cubs to get going. Epstein does his thing, rebuilds the organization, brings in young talent that he needs to kind of get the the Cubs back into the foreface of baseball. And in 2015, they finally burst onto the scene. They went it, uh, they went on to the NLCS, came up just short of a World Series, but then in 2016. The Cubs finally made it back to the World Series and won it all, breaking their curse with a World Series title. Whereas the Boston Red Sox, they they went right down the crapper. They endured a terrible 2012 season. I think that was the Bobby Valentine experiment, which was just horrendous all, all around. The the chicken, chicken on legs in the clubhouse with uh God knows who was involved in that. I forget. Beckett. Uh, yeah, Beckett, and Lackey, and whatnot. But, but they, the Red Sox, if as we remember, they did do a complete 180 in 2013 and ended up winning another World Series championship in 2013. Unreal. So that kind of started a, a, a kind of a seesawing years where they were terrible in 2012, won it all in 2013, and, and they just kind of went back and forth between last place and first place for uh, a, a handful of years. So, Dan, the question here is, what if Theo Epstein sticks around in Boston rather than jumping ship and trying to work his magic for the Cubs?
1: All right. So, obviously, this is a very two-pronged What if we got two franchises who were impacted here, for sure? Um, Like you said, the Red Sox. Just what a brutal, brutal, brutal collapse that September was in 2011. We saw Theo and Tito, uh, Francona, depart the Red Sox. So I'll start right there. I think if Theo is here, uh, Terry is also here as well, at least for the time being. Something that you you touched on, Ryan, that sort of has plagued the Red Sox, uh, especially back in those years, the early 2010s, was the up and down nature of their success, their performance. 2012, horrendous year. 2013, lightning in in a bottle world series 2014 you're trading away staples like john lester um you know you can't make it work with him you can't sign him back in that off season as well when you still had a chance um 15 you know you're working in young guys you're starting to build something 16 17 blah 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 finally they win again in 18 right but i think the departure of Theo started just that wave of inconsistency. You had Ben Sherrington, who was trying to de- develop talent, draft guys, what have you. Dombrowski comes in, a guy who's trying to move guys, trying to build a championship team right away. Coaches bouncing in and out like Valentine, John Farrell, um, and then finally Alex Cora. Um, so, to that question, what if Theo? Epstein doesn't leave I think they they see a lot more of what we saw in the 2000s maybe not the same level of success right like winning 4 and 7 was huge Mm -hmm. and they were knocking on the door in other years like 8 going to game seven with the Tampa Bay Rays and your guy David Price Um, so I think we would have seen more years like that maybe not two more championships like we did get but we had to suffer through some some really terrible years there, and some a lot of mismanaging, poor philosophy, poor signings like Pablo Sandoval that just did not work out or pan out whatsoever. Um, and not that Theo was perfect, but I think Theo, if he had been here during that era, during that time, um, you see a lot more of a consistent good baseball team that is contending on a year in year out basis that is spending, but also is drafting and developing Theo developed and drafted a lot of guys. He is a guy that can identify talent. He drafted Kyle Schwarber. He drafted Chris Bryant for the Cubs. Um, Who knows if those guys ever see the light of day to the Cubs franchise, if he does not leave, right? That's something that affects the Cubs too. Um, He stays here. With the Red Sox, I don't, I don't have a shred of belief that the Cubs would have came close to a, a World Series um, since then. If that was the case, no shot. Theo went there, he changed the whole culture, um, you know, brought in guys that were difference makers and just kind of developed that whole culture, that winning mentality. Brought in guys like, you know, Jake Arrieta, developed guys like Kyle Hendricks and whatnot. So, like, he has a track record, clearly, of being a guy that can sustain a baseball team at a high level. Unfortunately, he's not involved with a specific team right now, but, you know, he's on to bigger and better things within the game. But, yeah, I think if he stayed here, that Cubs franchise is still searching for that title. They are still desperately searching for that title. Um, And the Red Sox... Ultimately, I don't know if they have four titles, um, you know, within the last 20 years or not. I don't know if they win two more with him here, but I do think, and I do believe truly that they would not have been missing playoffs like they have been or in the dump, like they were in 2014, 2015, even, you know, 2020. Um, I just think you look at like 2000, what, 2003 or, 2002 to 2011, right? Yeah. They were contenders every single year. You knew they had a chance, even if they lost early. You knew they were good enough. You knew that the roster was constructed well enough and thoughtful enough that they could contend. They could make a move at the deadline. Um, And I think that would have always been there. Instead, you know, we've seen so many guys like that were huge with this team depart because of performance based on the team's part, not their part per se, like Lester, like Betts. Like I would never imagine Mookie Betts departing a team under Theo Epstein's thumb ever in my life. So stuff like that, dude. Like really a guy that can look at John Henry or the owners and be like, no, we're doing this. I'm not going to be a pawn. I'm not going to whatever. And I feel like he was that kind of guy. And I think the team in general would have been much better just on a consistent way over the last 10 years.
0: Yeah. First and foremost, if Epstein doesn't go to Chicago, the Cubs never sniff a World Series championship. That is 100% a fact of life. That's that's not even like a probability. That's like a stone cold guarantee. They... they uh- Go ahead. Oh no, I said wise and stone cold. I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, I got what <laughs> it. Damn it. Ah, pain. Pain. All right. But uh yeah, no, the uh, the Cubs absolutely would not have been able to turn things around and had those handful of years where they were playoff contenders and Able to punctuate one of those years with a World Series championship, they'd still be searching for one. The curse would be at what a hundred and fourteen years at this point, which would have just been laughable. I say laughable, knowing full and well the Red Sox endured an eighty-six year uh, curse themselves, but triple digits is just insane. Uh, If that were still going in this day and age in 2022, I assure you social media would be having a field day still with the Chicago Cubs Uh, for the Red Sox. I, I agree. They would have been a lot less tumultuous. They would they would have had a lot more consistency. They would have Epstein would have made the moves to keep the team relevant and afloat. Even when they were having a down year, so that they were always competitive. That being said, I wonder if he would have gotten complacent at some point. He, yeah, he he. When he became GM for the Boston Red Sox in what was it, two thousand and three, two thousand two, somewhere around there, right around there, he was the youngest GM in baseball at the time and was the youngest person to ever be given the general manager title with the, the, uh, with the mindset that he wanted to break the curse and he needed to do whatever it took to break the curse and want to bring a championship back to Boston. And that's what he did, and he did it not only once but twice just to to hammer in that kind of championship mindset and build that franchise under his, his vision. Mm. Then the late 2000s, after 2007 – It, it, things aren't really going as well. They're, they're not really getting back to the World Series or, or even ALCS's consistently. And then 2011 happens. And I feel like Epstein, it was like the writing was on the wall. That's why it was the worst kept secret in baseball. But if, if, if they weren't able to make that happen and the Red Sox kept him in town, I just, I just wonder if he would have gotten complacent in his role and if what ended up happening without Epstein was inevitable to some degree. I, I feel like Epstein is a guy that wants to take the biggest challenge that he can find that he thinks is, is to some degree doable and show that it is indeed doable and that it is possible. Right. And that's that's what he did with Boston, that's what he did with the Cubs and I just feel like he had already been there and done that with the Red Sox for 9 10 years or whatever however long it was. Yeah. And I just I just think that if he had stayed that I'm not sure if he would have had that same edge to him that he had in Chicago. I'm sure he would have drafted just fine. I'm sure he would have made moves here and there, but I don't know if he would have been as a, as aggressive as he was in his uh, in his early years with both Boston and Chicago. I think he would have just been kind of just been doing what he needed to do to just keep the team afloat. And I don't know if that would have went any better than it, it ended up doing or ended up going without him. Um yeah. So I, I think and, and then Ben Sherrington, if if he's if he's stuck in that assistant GM role, does he end up getting scooped up by somebody else as a GM uh to be their full-time GM? Does, uh does <clears throat> do they I mean, do they end up bring does does Hein Bloom ever become even a thought to bring into Boston? as a GM, if, if Theo is still in town and you don't have the next successor lined up because Sherrington ended up going somewhere else. Cause Theo stayed and there was no end in sight for his tenure. Uh, there, there, there is definitely a trickle down effect. And it also, if, if Theo stayed, does he bring in Bobby Valentine to be the manager of the Boston Red Sox in 2012? Oh. I, I can't imagine that that, was, that would be something that he would have signed off on. Perhaps he would have. I'm not sure. I don't know, the, know whether or not that was uh, something that he would have done. But I, I don't think uh, – I, personally, I don't think he would have preferred a Bobby Valentine, a flashy kind of high-risk, high-reward managerial pick there in 2012 to replace Terry Francona. So I, I don't know if, if, uh, if he, if he would, if we would have had to have had the Bobby Valentine experience, if Theo stayed, but I, that also then allowed the door for John Farrell in 2013. And, and John Farrell had that crazy uh, led that crazy 2013 campaign that ended in a world series. So uh, there is, there are a lot of what ifs here, in, oh in just that one general open topic of Theo Epstein uh, where I don't know what the, the Red Sox become if Theo stays. I, I don't I, I have to imagine there's no Bobby Valentine, which means they don't have as tumultuous, uh, that seems to be my word of the day here. Uh, th- they don't appear to be as uh, chaotic of a of a 2012 season, but I also wonder if that was kind of inevitable, given the pieces that they had on that roster and the way that 2011 went. Uh, I, I I think that uh, that that season was kind of doomed. I, I it was it was predicated on them getting. Off to a fast start in in 2012, uh, coming off of the heels of a, a an epic collapse in 2011, and when that just didn't happen, and the powder keg imploded, and it went as well as it did, which is to say, it went terribly. Uh, <laughs> if Theo Epstein's in town, I think that gets at least curtailed to some degree, but I think, I think he's he, Theo would have. Have ended up make, having made some of the similar moves that Sherrington did, uh, making all those salary dumps at the deadline. Uh, I think they sent uh, Adrian Gonzalez and Josh Beckett and Carl Crawford, because those experiments oh, yeah. all did not pan out except for Beckett. Uh, they sent them all to the Dodgers in a giant salary dump. Uh, I, I think Theo would have been stuck making some sort of similar move. Uh, for those, although I don't know if he would have bailed on Carl Crawford uh, right away. I think he I think he might have wanted to see that, try and see that through. That, I think that was his last big free agency signing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan.
1: I, yeah, I believe it was. I believe it was both
0: Adrian and Crawford at the same time. Yeah, so he traded for, well, they traded for Adrian Gonzalez at the deadline, the previous oh. year. They right. got him from San Diego. Um, I think they sent ended up sending one of their top prospects over to at the time to yeah. San Diego for Gonzalez, uh, and and Gonzalez was was perfectly fine in Boston. I mean, he hit upper two nineties, around three hundred during his time at Fenway with the Red Sox. But it just it was it was just painfully obvious that he was not the missing piece and that they needed somebody else to kind of – they needed to just hit the reset button and kind of recoup the farm system. Yep. So I think the end end game here is that if Epstein stays in Boston, obviously the Chicago Cubs never win that championship. They never go through the rebuild. Who knows what becomes of guys like Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant, uh, Starlin Castro – uh, Javier Baez, the guys that were a part of that championship run, um, in Chicago, and then the, for the Red Sox, I, I feel like things would have been different, but I don't know how much different. I think the the Red Sox probably find their way. I think things might have, might have gone rather than being so on opposite ends of the spectrum every seemingly every year. I, I think it would have been more even keeled. Like you said, I think they would have been just a solid playoff contender every most every year. Maybe they miss a playoff here or there uh just by like the skin of their hair. But I think that you wouldn't have seen the, just the, the seesawing of the, the, last place and first place divisional finishes that you saw in those 2010s without Epstein at the helm. So I think that's kind of the gist of what would have happened if Epstein stayed. Agreed. Agreed. Now let's, let's move on to another topic in baseball. And this one is pretty broad and wide open. We, we, can, we could probably have an entire episode of this, or we could condense it down into five to 10 minutes. So uh, this one is an interesting one because what the what if here is if baseball, MLB to be specific, didn't have that crackdown on steroid users. Now, doping in baseball had been an issue for pretty much the entirety of the sport. It was like that thing that everyone knew existed. All the players pretty much denied until they, they popped a positive. Uh, But even back then, like there was no really steroid testing. So like people could, could point the finger and, pretty much claim oh he's cheating he's using steroids but there was really no way to prove it and so you saw all the things that ended up coming the jose canseco ordeal the balco scandal uh barry Bonds' trial like everything was just in incredibly in the public forum but like there was no, without like actual steroid testing, there was like no way of knowing like who was actually doing it and who wasn't without like actual like admittance. So I'm not, I I personally don't know where we should start on this one, Dan. So I will, (laughs) I will happily turn the floor over to you. Uh, Give me the kind of background for what you were, you're thinking on this one and uh, kind of get us going on this what-if. Uh, so my, my
1: thinking behind this one was, like, we all know, everybody knows really, like, if, you're, if you paid any attention, like, during that era, like, the MLB was at one point complicit. They turned a blind eye before they were really pressed. To you know, you know, until their hand was forced, so to say, um, and then they began cracking down on it. There was the Mitchell report that was, you know, mm-hmm. in, where sort of guys would um, they would either you know admit or w- admit to a test that they were promised would not be made public, right? And then that information was found out, blah, blah, blah. Names were leaked. Um, Big Poppy being one of them Um, and all that. So I just think where I was coming from was the way those players, the ones that have been villainized and the ones that we never even knew or the ones that never became public or the ones that never uh, got caught um, back in the day or even still to this day um i think that it's not a consistent thing not that they shouldn't be cracking down on it but i think that um in terms of the hall of fame legacy all of that steroids is literally it's only baseball in my mind where it is viewed as much of a stigma as it is um like in football it feels like you know, you see a guy get popped for four games for a PED. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right. You know, you go on about your day. You wait for the guy to get back, whatever. It's really no big deal. But in baseball, you take steroids. It's a cardinal sin. It's the, they, They've made it out to be. And like, I get it. Like on the face of it, you cheat, whatever you should be punished. I get it. But they've made it out to be. Like, you are the worst person to play the game. Like, you do not deserve accolades. Like, Barry Bonds is the worst person because he lied about it and he tried to get away with it and whatever, and he blew up and all this stuff, and he took Hank Aaron's. Whatever. I don't want to hear it. Like, I get it. But at at the same time, like, you don't know everybody who took – steroids and everybody who didn't take them and i believe firmly there are already guys in the hall of fame that were steroid users it just never came to the public eye or never came to fruition like a rod for years and still probably so is villainized in the sport um and you know we saw it this past year uh guys like him uh clemens and bonds uh don't make the hall of fame clems and Bonds, they're not on the ballot anymore. So, like, that's a huge ramification in my mind. And I get it. But I wanted to see a world where if they didn't crack down on steroids, the way those guys would be viewed and the way that era of the game would be viewed, because during that time it was glorified. And then now it's villainized. And it's a hypocrisy among the baseball world that I think really only exists in that world. Um, Cause like I said, in baseball, you do steroids. You're just infamy. You are infamous to the league and you will not be awarded.
0: So that is the, what if the, what so, if yeah. Yeah. So uh, you raise a great point. The fact that baseball is really the only sport where if you get popped for using steroids or PEDs of any sort uh, you become highly villainized and outcasted. Whereas if if a hockey player popped a a PD, it'd be like, Oh, well that's weird, but okay, whatever you, you go ahead, uh, serve your time and and we'll see you on the other side. Same thing with football and uh, the same thing with basketball though. You hardly ever see basketball players uh, or, um, or even hockey players popping, uh, positives for steroids. That's those have, they've kind of either been phased out of the game just pretty much completely. Uh, but we all understand why football players, I mean, that the amount of, uh, stress that that puts on your body, uh, the game it does, we, people just undoubtedly understand why someone would turn to steroids, whether it's trying to recuperate from an injury and rehab from an injury quicker, or just put themselves over the top, like we get it. But at the end of the day, cheating is cheating, and if you get caught, that's on you. Pay your pay for your sins. But in baseball, like you said, Dan, it has become it's almost like the Scarlet Letter. Like it's it's like if yeah. you get popped for PEDs in a hundred sixty-two game season, you're either getting suspended for like half the season or for a full year. And that's off on the first, like, pop. Like, I forget what the what the rules are specifically right now, but I'm pretty sure if you test positive, you're missing, like, at least a third of the season, if not half yep. the season, on that first one, which is crazy. That's three months of games. Yep. That would never happen in any other sport. And that's all because of of the steroid era and how – Guys like Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, Ivan Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, Jason Jambi. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Uh, all those guys had such incredible seasons and, and incredible careers to the point where everyone just blatantly assumed, like, oh, you know, there's no way Barry Bonds could hit 73 home runs in a season without steroids. And he definitely used steroids. There's no way he could break Hank Aaron's all-time record without steroids. And it's just like, okay, but, like, if everyone else is doing it, like, what are you doing to stop this rather than letting everyone bitch about it? And it's like, when when you've got players on record, like, you've got players that are going on record saying, like, oh, well, I – pretty sure half the league is juiced or, Oh, I think like three quarters of the league is using steroids to some degree. And so like, if that's the case, I need to use it to keep up. Like it's, it's crazy. And then for everyone to just deny, deny, deny only for them to eventually be proven wrong. It it just, it set a really bad precedent for athletes in the sport of baseball where, Everyone seemingly knew everyone was doing it. The league, like you said, Dan, was kind of just looking the other way for the most part. And then you still had people blatantly denying it because they didn't want to own up to what they were doing. And that kind of just culminated in this becoming an actual government trial. Insane. Which is ridiculous. Insane. And so if you look – so if you look at it and you say, well, what if baseball just didn't crack down on steroids? I'm not so sure that you would have rampant steroid using. But, I mean, I think you would have seen, at least from a hitting standpoint, I think you would have – where those years where everyone said, oh, the baseballs are dead, the baseballs are dead. Well, if – you still had half the league on steroids. I'm pretty sure they would have been destroying baseballs, whether they were dead or hopping very much alive uh, and, and pitching to to a degree. If you had pitchers on steroids in this day and era where they're pumping in a hundred with presumably without steroids or any sort of performance enhancing drugs, uh, like imagine there, there's a, there's a kid in a, coming into the the draft. I think he got drafted this year, the other day. Uh, A guy from the University of Tennessee who can throw a fastball nearly, he's thrown 103 in baseball games. and I think he's touched 105 on a radar gun. I have to believe that a college kid is not on steroids because, you know, he's coming into his body the whole nine yards. He's still growing, especially in this day and age. There's no way. I, I have to believe there's no way he's doping imagine if he gets like five ten years into his career and he has a totally normal trajectory and he keeps that same velocity and then you enhance it with steroids are we are you looking at like 106 mile an hour fastballs coming out of the bullpen in the ninth like i don't know that i I don't know I don't know if if if, uh, if it would have made that much of a difference but my my god like just like thinking about like the velocities that we're seeing from pitchers in this day and age where a hundred is used to be like incredible whereas a hundred nowadays like I don't want to say you, you you were not even batting an eye but it's like well plenty of people throw a hundred so it, it's not as it's 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 crazy, but it's not like as rare as it used to be. If you if you put that, if you now enhance those those pitchers and they're able to throw even harder, I mean good oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's something like even with or without steroids, you know, when guys more and more nowadays are are touching a hundred and are you know, clipping at 99 or 98 on like a regular basis. And it's like a normal thing and they're only getting faster and faster. And we only see, you know, strikeouts go up and up and up almost, you know, every single year at some point, I, you know, I mean, again, another conversation for another day, but the league might need to look into maybe moving the mound back just a little bit.
0: Oh, <laughs> that would that would get headlines because I don't I don't think that has has those dimensions ever changed. Uh, I don't I don't think the baseball dimensions have really ever changed, uh, in the history of the game. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I I don't think the the dimensions of like the base pass and the mound to home plate maybe they changed like once in in its history. Uh, we'd have to do a quick search of that, but honestly, yeah. look. I, In in terms of getting back on track in in the what if, if baseball doesn't crack down on steroids and steroids basically become rampant and and there's really no, there's no, there's no like testing because they did implement testing in uh, I think the 2003 season is when they began testing for steroids. Obviously that didn't really stop Everyone, plenty of people still chose and did admit to using steroids. Even after that point, somehow they just didn't get popped. Um, cause I think the testing was selective in those days. It wasn't yeah. like, Oh yeah, you, you get tested, uh, once a month or you get tested at random at any point in the year. No, nobody, nobody was really worried about it. The testing was still in its infancy at that point. And so Anyone that was testing wasn't really intimidated by the testing because they knew there they were probably ways to get around it. But in terms of legacy, if, if baseball doesn't crack down on steroids and you've still got plenty of people using, I think the question becomes, does, does steroids become acceptable in the game of baseball? Does it just become so commonplace that eventually society accepts that in order to play baseball at the highest level, you've got to use steroids. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it gets to that point. I, I think that ultimately I think you would have had a contingent of, of players that if they knew that there were no consequences, they'd go straight to steroids because as we've, we've mentioned, even to this day, you still get a player here or a player there get popped for PEDs, none that are prevalent. It's usually – nowadays it's typically like minor leaguers trying to make it to the show or kind of uh, uh, guys that aren't really uh, mm-hmm. impact players on their teams that are trying to, to get to that stage of their career where maybe, maybe that they become – an impact player on to their, for their organization. But I think if, if baseball doesn't crack down on it, you, you definitely still have a, a decent contingent of players using steroids to this day, even though we don't know whether or not that's the case. Even now I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you could probably go to every team, every organization and whether they're, it's a, on the, the MLB roster or somewhere in the minor league organization, you could probably find somebody that's using someone and they just haven't been popped yet. Yeah, But for sure. in terms of legacy standpoint, I don't know if things would have gone much differently because nobody's. Go- I don't think anyone would have, even if steroids became accepted by fans and society, I don't think that that would have made Players comfortable enough to come out and admit to using steroids to enhance their performances. I, I don't think that would have changed. Uh, so you would have had people still playing the deny, deny, deny card. And then when people like, I don't know, Jose Canseco come out with autobiographies alleging that players A, B, C, D, E, F, G, X, Y, Z are all using steroids as well, then we are there's, there's nothing you can really do uh, in terms of the legacy standpoint, because now we're just playing the blame game. We're pointing the fingers at each other. Everyone else is denying until it becomes so overwhelmingly proven that they had, that they did do it, that they have no choice to admit to it. And you're still in the same circle that you, we were, 20 25 years ago. So yeah, I, I don't think that would have, I don't think that changed regardless of whether MLB cracks down on steroids. I think you still are looking at kind of, uh, people being villainified by their name being attached to steroids. And I think that people would be just denying it and trying to, to use, uh, and, do it kind of in the shadows and not in the forefront. I don't think anyone would have gotten confident enough outside of guys like Jose Canseco who were like, Oh yeah, I, I totally use steroids. My entire career is thanks to steroids, but you're not going to get very many of those who have those kind of hall of fame esque like careers and just blatantly come out and say, yeah, I, I, my career is attributed to steroids. Thank you very much but everyone True. else was doing it. So why wouldn't I, I, I don't, I don't think you would have, I don't think that the, there would have been enough of those guys to come out and be like, yeah, I use, so what everyone else does to, to really change the course of history.
1: I like it. I like it. I, you know, it sucks. Cause like you would hope that it would change or that like things would have played out differently, but you know, the way you lay it out, I mean, it, yeah it, it just it would have been a more unofficial you know finger pointing. you would have had less you know positive tests to point to in general, but there still would have been that blame game and that finger pointing and people telling on each other and all that stuff. Um, I will say though, you know the one thing I think all of this caused though like the way they reacted, the way the league, and whatever the way you know they got the government involved, and you know, all that they went so far that they can't take it back, like, they can't be like the NFL now and just be like, Hey, if you get popped, we're gonna pop you for you know, whatever, uh, a small fraction of the schedule. And you know, you're not the biggest villain in the world, we're not gonna kill you, but yeah, it, it's like. I just wish they didn't treat it or continue to sort of view it, um, especially amongst like the older writers and stuff as like, as if they killed somebody like there, there's like, you know, and I'm not trying to get all, you know, you know, social issues or anything, but there's guys in the hall of fame that are 100% like bad people, like racists and shit like that. Like bad people are definitely in the hall of fame you know, there is a character clause too. And I would say that, you know, steroid use, you know, could fall into that, but it also like
0: probably isn't the worst thing in the world, <laughs> but mm-hmm.
1: anyway, I digress.
0: Yeah. And I mean that there's also the picture that there are probably plenty of hall of famers from back in the day that also used performer enhancing drugs to some degree, uh, whether, whether, they ever admit to it or not, that's probably the case because of of the era that they lived in where taking steroids was, was not even like a thought, like it was perfectly acceptable if they wanted to, they could. And, uh, it was just that era of the nineties and early two thousands where it all got exposed, brought to the forefront, made out to be, I don't want to say a bigger deal than it needed to be because at the end of the game, it is cheating and you want to eliminate cheating from your game, but when it, it is riddled so much throughout your sport and that you, in order to expose it and to try and eradicate it, you have to turn to the freaking government. Yeah. That, that just, it just puts a, a, a very, puts your game in a very bad light. And it, it, it was, it took some time to kind of, recover the the public image of the game of baseball it's still america's pastime baseball is certainly not dead by any imagination to this day it has recovered very well it does very well in the numbers in terms of viewership to this That's day true. the the world series does just fine if not better numbers than any of the other main sports outside of maybe the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. Yeah. But when you compare it to, like, the Stanley Cup finals or the NBA finals, the World the Series f- is right up there in terms of viewership. So I, I people still watch the game. People still flock to the sport, whether we like to admit it or not. And it's still as popular as it's ever been. It's just, it had, it kind of had a a smear to its image for quite some time. And it'll have to live with that smeared image, that kind of asterisk on the record books for, for it's for eternity, really. And there's, there's no way around it because of how they chose to address doping in baseball. If, if they had maybe chosen to go around and, and keep, do things hush hush and, and keep things behind the scenes. Maybe, maybe it doesn't be, maybe baseball doesn't have that kind of image in terms of steroids. But the way they chose to handle it, the way they, they let the, the the powers that be in Major League Baseball allowed steroid usage to get that, that far out of hand. And the way they chose to go about correcting it, making it putting it on public display in such a way, a manner. Uh, I don't think there's any way that baseball could have changed things, uh, that whether or not they crack down on steroids, I don't think the, the image w- was ever going to change. It was either, it's either. Yeah, we're accepting baseball. We're accepting, we are accepting baseball. We're accepting doping in our sport, like whatever, like, or you, 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 because of how long it took for them to address it. It, this is how it had to be. It, that's how the way things went down is how it had to go down to try and address it. And you're still looking at a crappy kind of uh, legacy image from that time and era. So I think they were, I think baseball, the sport of baseball MLB, they were kind of in a lose, lose situation, but I think that it's also kind of their own doing the fact that they chose not to police it sooner, the fact that they chose to uh, allow it to go on for as long as it did, and the fact that they didn't have – they knew steroid testing or that steroid usage was a thing, and they didn't implement a drug testing program until the 21st century. And this baseball – the sport of baseball had been going on for over a century. That's kind of on baseball for kind of turning a blind eye to it. And I, I really don't think whether they cracked down on steroids or not, their image would have changed.
1: Yeah. And if, <laughs> if they caught you doing steroids, they treated you as if you just slept with their wife of 10 years. Like <laughs> it, it's just like, I mean, come on, I, I, I get it, but you know, I we've harped on it. Just don't, don't treat it. Like they've, committed a capital crime like a federal offense i mean it's it's just insane like hit them on the wrist hit them hard on the wrist and make it a point but don't don't tarnish their legacy and their their you know their name
0: for life which is what they've done yeah and maybe maybe don't get the government involved. Maybe police maybe. your sport a little bit better to the point where you don't need the government doing your job for you. Yeah. Yeah, that always helps. Yeah. All right, Dan. I, I know we only hit two topics on this, this part, but uh, we, we have hit the expiration of our time here. So we'll have to pick this one up next time. Part three, baby. Part bring it version two part three yeah V two P
1: three
0: yeah maybe maybe there even be a P four there could be who knows who knows but uh anywho we'll uh we'll have to call this one a wrap so stay tuned for part three maybe even part four of V two definitely not going to confuse myself or anyone (laughs) else before the all is said and done. But this is going to do it for part two, version two. For Dan Sadek, I'm Ryan Brown. We will see you next time on our What If series. See you later. Fuck Duke. I hate you.